back to another episode of uh, Behind the Net Podcast. As always, I'm Matthew, and joining me today is... Michael. How's it going, guys? So, uh, I mean, this is another week uh, kind of doing this whole thing remotely, and honestly, we don't know how long it'll go, but we're, we're starting to get used to it. Yeah, I feel like there's been an adjustment uh, process over the last couple weeks, but uh, today I feel like we're more comfortable than we were than when we started, and I think... The episodes are going to get better and better, and soon enough, you're going to really, it's going to sound like it was before we uh, had to be separated because of the coronavirus. So I'm liking where this is going. Me too. And I mean, if anything, we've kind of figured out how to do this whole thing remotely if we don't have access to a studio even in the future. So I don't know. I see this as a pretty, pretty positive thing. Exactly. And these episodes can continue long after both of us finish school. Oh, for sure. So uh, how's your week been so far? I know you uh, classes have kind of started for you. They're kind of underway again. Yeah, they, we've uh, my classes have been uh, in full swing. A lot of assignments have been coming up uh, a lot more than I kind of expected, to be honest. But I also did have a week off when I got back from Florida. Uh, in case anybody's wondering, no, I did not catch it. I'm perfectly fine. And yeah, just, just dealing with the uh, reality that school is going to be uh, remote for the foreseeable future. What about you, man? Um, pretty much the same thing. Just a lot of staying at home. Uh, just spending my time trying to, I guess, trying to, I don't know, just playing video games, trying to catch up on rest, trying to, uh, you know, read things like that. Just keep myself occupied. That's good. Yeah. I've been playing some games too. Uh, actually just last night I, uh, was looking through my old stash of Game Boy games. Like after I mm-hmm. did my schoolwork, I was like, Hey, Mario's and Luigi Superstar Saga. There's one oh, I, I love that played game. in a while. I love that game excellent game and funny enough i haven't actually beaten the game yet it's and i've had it all these years so i thought you know what let's try and beat it maybe why not see what's going on what's for happens. sure i might i was thinking of digging out my old n64 and playing that um might as well i think this is the best time to catch up on those games that you might not have finished or just play those ones that you loved playing in the in the past and then play them again Oh my god, tell me about it. I haven't actually played my N64 in a while, so I rem- you kind of reminded me to go pick mine up too. Oh yeah, I mean, what, what's your favorite games on the N64? I love the N64, it's probably my favorite, probably my favorite console. Like, um, this is going to be a cop-out, but these two games hold a special place in my heart. It's got to be Mario Kart 64 and uh, Super Mario 64. I love I love both of those, honestly. Mine, mine are probably those two, and then Smash Bros, and then... Um, of course. Banjo Kazooie, I love that game so much. Excellent game. Ocarina of Time as well. Oh, of course, that too. That's up there, probably for. I know a lot of people consider it the best game of all time, and yeah, it's it's definitely up there for one of my favorite games of all time too. Oh my god, I I still haven't beaten that one too, but I've played. It's I, long, I but it's so good. It's so good. I got like maybe what sixty something percent through the game, and like I was pretty close to beating it, but then I just stopped playing it for whatever reason. So I should probably get back on that too. Yeah, that's but like, just to quickly. Oh, sorry, just to no. That's like me uh, with uh, Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Like most Zelda games, I, I finished a, a lot of them, but most like it's hard to get to the very end. I don't know why yeah. it is for me. I, I think it's just maybe motivation. You get to a certain point, it's like I'm so close, but it's like oh, I've been playing so long. I need a break, and then you forget about it. I think that's just what it is with video games. Oh, 100%. Um, I don't know. I think Zelda games especially need a lot more attention throughout the entire game. And people, uh, or at least I do, I, I kind of fall out of it a little early. But I, I definitely want to, I might actually, I might play some N64 and then also my restart Breath of the Wild and play it all the way through. It's a great idea. You know what I actually find, though, about uh, Zelda games? is when, you, when you've when you been away from it for so long 
and then you get back into it you you don't really know where where to go like where you left off and like what you have to do next mm-hmm. so that's it can't, yeah for, for some it's like oh sh- i can't i don't know how to do this i'm gonna need to stop playing that's like a lot of rpg games i feel like uh i was trying to replay or at least i haven't finished it as well but uh final fantasy 7 um i have the on the switch i know the remake's coming out and everyone's excited for that but mm-hmm. um it's an amazing game but whenever you i picked it up again after leaving it you know um i haven't touched it in like so long and then i forgot exactly where i was or what happened or what mm-hmm. i have to do next so i i'm just gonna restart it or you could just do just look up the walkthroughs just like watch some of the videos that's kind of what i did so yeah it's like, but i feel okay. like you want to be a part of the whole storyline and you don't want to just pick up somewhere random and kind of forget what happened right that is true yeah yeah but at the same time you, you came so far in the game you may as well finish what you started oh yeah right? oh yeah um, uh, but, actually, yeah. since you're mentioning about the Switch, um, I heard something that they might uh, be putting N64 games on in the future. I think they will. I hope so. In fact, I'm hoping that they put GameCube games on the Switch in the future because I remember N64 games have been running like, you know, being being downloadable since like the Wii. So I'd expect them to be available on the Switch and then also take that extra leap and start putting GameCube games. Hopefully. Yeah, I feel like we're we're getting really close to that. The technology for emulation has been getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Like we, the NES and SNES games look as great as they've ever been. So I think it's only a matter of time before the N64 games get on there. Mm-hmm. Like I said, um, we had N64 games since the Wii, so you'd expect like you know like this is what two generations after the Wii that they'd be able to put the next generation GameCube oh, onto the Switch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. I, I, I don't even care if it's you have to pay for those games or you get them for free. Just just put them on the Switch. It's, Actually, it's I don't know. What are your favorite Mario games? Because there is some news that kind of got confirmed this week about... Since we're talking about video games, we might as well... What, what were we called? Uh, behind the memory card? <laughs> <laughs> this is another episode of that. But uh, there's, uh, there's, there's news that's confirmed that they're uh, remaking or they're planning remakes for Super, Super Mario Sunshine. Um, mm-hmm. Super Mario Galaxy. I forgot the other one. I forgot the I other one, but another one. I think it might have been Mario 64. Oh, yes. Yes, it was. Super Mario 64, which they already remade on the DS, but I think they're trying to make, like, a full-blown one for the Switch. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they could, like, make it even longer because the oh, game yeah. is super short. And, I mean, I always said this. Um, Super Mario Odyssey was, like, the better sequel of Super Mario 64. I don't know how, if you played Super Mario uh-huh. Odyssey, but, okay, yeah. It's amazing. It's like, I think it's just, it's like a sequel to Super Mario 64, but it's better. So imagine mm-hmm. Super Mario 64 on the Switch now. It would be uh, incredible. I mean, they already have the, the model for the character in the game. Spoiler alert oh, yeah. if you haven't <laughs> made it that far. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 really cool. I remember the first time I put the costume, I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And that's hopefully coming this year. And uh, I'm probably going to pick up all three of those. I mean, there's nothing better for the developers to do. They may as well try and get it out faster. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, we all, we have all the time in the world to play them right now. Exactly. Exactly. Oops. Oh. My uh, my phone just went off. <laughs> nice ringtone. Yep. New ringtone, guys. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's what's been going on in my week. Um, I'm hoping that we get to, you know, this whole thing comes to an end soon and we were able to go out. But uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, this has been a weird situation, but uh, the numbers have been pretty uh, encouraging. Like I know every day the numbers keeps going up and up, and like number of cases, number of people that have unfortunately passed away. And today the big news was uh, a million people have been oh, infected yeah. by the coronavirus. But if you're looking at the the test numbers in Ontario, exact specifically, the number of tests they have to go through is going down a lot. Like, if I'm not mistaken, there's only, like, about 2,000 tests they still have to go through. Yeah. Yeah, and it's spreading quickly, but it, the the numbers are encouraging, especially when also when you see the amount of people who have recovered from it. Um, mm-hmm. It's encouraging. It's more than the p- amount of people who have, uh, I guess, died from it. So it, it's encouraging to see, and hopefully the curve starts to flatten sooner than later, and we start to see the effects of this quarantining soon. Yeah, exactly. And we're seeing some uh, researchers and scientists, uh, scient- like doctors coming closer to uh, a vaccine. I believe somewhere in Pittsburgh had it today. Uh, and just for the numbers, uh, for those of you guys who are wondering, as of April 2nd at 3.38 p.m., um, 1,023,970 have been infected and 206,163 people have along with 54,724 that have passed away. Oh man, that's that's a lot, but yeah, hopefully the numbers subside sooner sooner than later. We'll see what happens. You never know. I mean, we're probably I mean, I want to we could start off with this right away, but um I do know that uh, the city of Toronto here um kind of they they've said that public events are being canceled until June 30th at the earliest. And uh, obviously that includes sporting events. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's good news or is it just delaying the inevitable? Well, the what the report is saying is that all public events from the city are postponed and uh, sporting events are not postponed until June 30th. So they're just canceled. And sporting events. So anything. So sporting events are still going on from what I if, if they're going to continue. Mm. But everything else that the city has planned is going to get uh, canceled till June 30th. So. From the one hand, I feel like it's a precautionary move to uh, just to play it safe because it's better to, to be uh, playing it safe than to just react to what's going on. And I think this is one of those things where it's entirely possible that it's the, the ban is lifted before that date happens. And I, I don't know. I, I can't say because I don't have a crystal ball with me. But we if sporting events are going to keep going, that'd be awesome because that'd be a great distraction for people who really need something to uh, look forward to when there's basically nothing else to, to look at other than Netflix. Cause after a while, Netflix and even music gets a little boring. Oh yeah. So does this mean that let's say the NHL or, you know, MLB or the NBA comes back, let's say in May or June, despite having an event ban, does this mean that they can potentially come back, you know, June 1st? Um, maybe they probably could be coming back early, maybe in May. I don't know. But if you remember before everything got on pause, there was talks about potentially playing games in empty stadiums. Empty arenas, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that that's what's going to happen if uh, sports are going to come back sooner before July, sort of start of July. I do and worry, I though, because you're still putting the staff and the uh, players sort of at risk i know you have to make sure that everyone's cleared first but uh i mean it, it's it's still i obviously the idea is still in development but there's still things to kind of be careful about 
Of course, yeah. And I don't know about you, but like on the one hand, if this could be a, a terrible decision that could backfire if another player gets the, the virus again. But at the same time, there hasn't been any confirmed evidence, as far as I know, that can uh, definitively prove that you can get reinfected with the disease, from what I can tell. So if a player has already gotten infected with it, and we've already seen a few from both the Ottawa Senators and the Colorado Avalanche get the virus, if they're cleared of it, who's to say that they can get it again? I don't think I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I feel like your your confidence in having sports resuming could it's 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 encouraging if uh sports can come back, but I don't know. A hundred percent for sure. Um but yeah, we'll just have to see. Um yeah, Toronto has banned other events, any other events, public gatherings. But uh yeah. I can tell you one thing, July 1st is going to be glit. Toronto, July 1st is going to be crazy here, for sure. I mean, given the given the hope that they don't extend the ban or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Just uh, don't hold your breath, because it's, it's just as much as, as likely that it could end before. It could just keep going beyond June 30th. 100%. It very well could. Um... So we did get a bit of uh, some news, some sporting news. It, the world kind of felt felt normal for once. Um, some Leafs news, actually. Um, first, uh, the Leafs did sign two defensemen to uh, entry level contracts. First was yeah. uh, Philip Crawl to a three year level uh, entry level contract, and then uh, Christians Rubens to a two year entry level contract. And uh, Crawl is a uh, He's a WHL player. He was uh, picked in the fifth round, I believe, uh, in 2018. And Rubens has been playing with the Marlies this season. So what are your thoughts on these uh, two moves? Well, let's not get into the puns that I could be saying with Philip Crawl's last name. <laughs> uh, but I like it. I feel like it's good to have uh, additional prospects locked up in your uh, system as early as possible. And from what I can remember, Crawl was having a really good year uh, this year. I'm looking at his stats right now. 12 goals, 37 assists, 49 points. Really good for a defenseman. Even if he's in his overage season, that's good depth to have to your, in your system. And I feel like it's just like the more defensive depth you have, the better. And if he develops really well, there's a chance he could make the, bo- the, the bottom six within the next uh, three years. Or if not, you can just use him as a trade piece. Oh, yeah. And Crawl, and- I mean... I'm looking at his stats too. He recorded 120 points in 154 career games. Um, that's for a defenseman. That's really good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Oh yeah. And Rubens, I really like his size. He's also a lefty, but he's older than Crawl. Uh, but numbers are all right. I mean, considering it's his first professional season in uh, the AHL, I-, I think he's got some upside too, just like Crawl uh, does. At the same time, though. Where defensemen take a little bit longer, and we're getting close to that point where it's like, if he's gonna make the NHL, it's gotta be in the near future. And it's just there's not much room right now, especially with all the defensemen that the Leafs have had uh, signed uh, just before the the play was paused, and how many other players they have to take care of. And who even knows if Crawl has got a legitimate shot at making the Leafs next in uh, 2020? Mm-hmm. I think it, especially for Crawl, I think he has. Uh some time he definitely has some time to grow defensemen need a little bit more time uh obviously we saw 
Sandin was an exception, kind of jumped up pretty quickly. But generally, um, it's good to give him some time. He's only 20 years old right now. But uh, I like that you mentioned that they could be used as trade pieces, if anything, both of them. Um, yeah, because the Leafs are obviously a contender, so they're not looking to wait except for their, you know, their um, either their top prospects or the ones who've really shown that they can make the jump, like Nick Robertson. Um, mm -hmm. But I do like having these kind of cheap defensemen in the system um, who've kind of proven themselves that they're on the cusp of making an NHL team. Um, crawl, not as much yet, but definitely there's potential there. And uh, also uh, with Rubens, I do like that Kyle Dubas kind of, he's showing that he does like utilizing the ECHL um, a lot because Rubens did kind of cr uh, climb from the Growlers last season up to the Marlies now. And then um, potentially the Maple Leafs. And, and it's interesting to see um, players kind of climb all the way from the ECHL all the way up to the top. And uh, especially Kyle Dubas likes to mm -hmm. use that. So it's nice to see him utilizing that and try to get, trying, trying to get, you know, players on cheap contracts, like talented players that way. I remember actually writing an article about uh, that very thing you're talking about and using the ECHL as a development tool. I think Kyle Dubas is one of those few GMs that recognize the ECHL is not a wasteland. And a, but a place that you can develop legitimate uh, prospects. And I think that that's a really good thing to use, especially for a guy like Rubens, who did get a start with the Growlers, and he's working his way up with the Marlies. I believe if uh, when play resumes next year, um, in 2020-2021, um, he will start there. There's a possibility that at the very end of the season, he gets the, uh, the treatment of Travis Dermott, but not too much to the extent of Dermott, where he gets a call-up late and he plays a couple of games. That's the kind of uh, thing he will get his first taste in the NHL if he's, uh, his development goes really well. But at the same time, though, like you were mentioning earlier, and like I was saying uh, earlier on, um, having these prospects uh, develop really well is good for uh, trade bait. Because if the Leafs in next year, they are even closer to contending and they're like maybe a piece away, as much as it's nice to just throw away draft picks to get said players quality prospects are just as if not more important because those are the more sure things compared to draft picks because draft picks could be anything you could just it's just a lottery ball oh, but yeah. if a team gets a prospect that's actually uh, looking like they could make the NHL especially for a team that's uh, can can uh, rebuilding and uh, has a quality player that they're willing to give up you have to be able to give assets like that up so it's, it's great for both ways because Leafs have uh, options. They could keep these guys, develop them, try and bring them up, or just try and develop them and then uh, send them off. It works both ways. Oh, yeah, and let's not forget um, depth wins you championships. really does, and, and we saw the Leafs struggle with injuries upon injuries this season, and just having those players that you can potentially bring up uh, when needed, uh, you know, through injuries and everything um it's it's good to have it's very good to have yeah i totally agree with that and i'm really curious to see what these two players do uh as 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 the years go on and if they can even make the the leafs roster i think it'd be uh, really great to see more leafs defensemen uh crack the crack the lineup because the leafs do need more help defensively like they had a they have a decent defense this year we we, we talked about how it's not their biggest strength but it's better than what people were saying but more homegrown talent is better than none Oh yeah, a hundred percent. 
Um, moving away from the topic of defensemen, I'll let you introduce our next topic, but the Leafs do have their eyes on a certain Russian forward. Yes. Alexander Barbanov, who the Leafs are competing with the Arizona Coyotes, as uh, the report goes, to try and land his services. And he's a decent player. There are some interesting connections with him, um, from what I can tell. His uh, agent is Dan Mil... Is that saying this right? Dan Milstein? Yeah, Dan Milstein. Yeah. The same agent that represents uh, the Superman, uh, Ilya Mikheyev. So mm-hmm. there's that connection. There. And, and, I mean, players are... I mean, people are just kind of dubbing this move as the Leafs looking for Ilya Mikheyev 2.0 because as we know the Leafs picked up Ilya Mikheyev from the KHL um in the offseason and look how good of a move that turned out to be it did and here's the thing though it's it's there's a very distinct possibility that the Leafs could break keep uh, Ilya Mikheyev uh after this season but what people forget is that his contract ends this year and because he had such a great rookie season he, who knows what his contract demands are going to be? At the same time, though, if you can get more players around him that are more comfortable, such as an Alexander Barbanov, that would really make him more inclined to want to stay for cheaper than what he might want to ask the Leafs to sign him to. Oh yeah, and I'll keep going. And just looking at his numbers, uh, just uh, he's not going to light up the, the back of the net. That's not what I think Barbanov is going to be. It's just more like a third, fourth line presence, uh, possibly grittiness which is what the fans have always wanted we want tough guys we want guys with heart i i don't know for sure like what the results on the footage are but based on the fact that his numbers aren't don't pop off the page i'm guessing that's the kind of player he is and kudos to that i think more players like that would be really helpful 100 percent. going back to your point about uh mckay being a free agent um this is kind of the reality of being a contender is that you have your core and unfortunately you have to have a a rotating supporting cast for that core and often you might have a big season with a player you want to keep but you have to keep rotating that for salary cap reasons and things like that so you know if if Mikheyev does demand a lot more money or the Leafs somehow aren't able to keep him um having Barbanov as a second option as a kind of replacement option um is it is it's a very good uh possibility um Definitely because then the Leafs will still be able to fill that hole if uh, Mikheyev walks, or best case scenario would be that they are able to sign both. Exactly, yeah. And that's just, you want to have your options open because the last thing is uh, not sign Barbanov and lose Mikheyev in uh, free agency because those are just, that's, you know, one, you're losing out on a potential quality free agent. Uh, who's coming over from the KHL, but you're also losing one of the most valuable pieces in your lineup. People often for, sometimes forget, Mikheya, when he was playing, the Leafs were significantly better offensively than the, when he was off. And I feel as the season wore on, they really missed him. And I feel like they've prob- his, uh, his party probably recognizes that. So that's possibly going to eat up uh, the demands. But then again, the Leafs probably recognize that Mikhe- they're better with Mikheyev than without him. So, like I said, you just got to keep your options open. For sure. For sure. But uh, we'll see how that works out. I definitely do want the Leafs to sign uh, Barmanov. I think he'd be a great addition. Um, definitely, like I said, going back to the supporting casting, it's just about uh, kind of getting those players and uh, kind of deciding in training camp who you want to keep, who, who are the expendable assets, things like that. 
funny you're mentioning expendable because uh i heard some news about a potential player on the roster that's uh future isn't uh fully decided yet mm-hmm. i've heard that too do you wanna <laughs> yes you wanna i will bring it I'll, I'll uh keep i'll introduce this one um jason spezza leafs legend or leafs <laughs> the guy that mike babcock scratched on opening night wants to become stay a Toronto Maple Leaf past this season. But he told re- reporters a couple days ago that there hasn't been any talks yet of a contract extension. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, for me, if I were the Maple Leafs, I'd be trying to sign him to another one-year contract, hopefully. Um, just just a one-year contract, nothing long-term, but especially at his age. But I, I'd want to keep him around another year. He's that you're getting that um, veteran presence and you're getting it cheap and you're getting quality um, produ- production from him. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like he's um, he's still got some uh, value to him. He's good on the power play. He's good on face-offs. He's not going to be the, the guy that uh, carries the offensive flow because that's not what his role is anymore. But as a secondary option, playing on your third and fourth line, there's some value in that. And why not? What is he like still 37 or something like that? 36. Exactly. He can still be useful for another couple of years, even if he's just starting to slow down significantly. I oh, feel yeah. like there's still at least another couple of years of uh, quality service left in him. Oh, yeah. But I'd give him a one-year contract just because we don't want to fall into that Patrick Marlowe-esque trap again, um, where he's heavy on the cap space for an extra year. But I think if the Leafs can lock him up for another year... Um, that would be that would be amazing, honestly, and hopefully he doesn't ask for much more of a uh, increase. What kind of contract would sit well with you? Similar to what he signed with this year, because remember, uh, he wanted he could have signed for way more money than uh, what he actually signed with the Leafs. If he wants to stay, he's gonna want he's gonna have to sign a similar contract to what he signed with uh, last summer, and I feel like that's what's what's gonna happen if he's gonna stick around. Hundred percent. Um, that's exactly the contract I would want as well. What about uh, a Leafs uh, center core of Matthews, Tavares, Jason Spezza, and Joe Thornton? Okay, so we do know that Joe Thornton <laughs> he wanted to leave San Jose, not leave, but he wants he wants a shot at a cup, and he wanted that shot at the cup uh, at the trade deadline, but. Of course, Toronto didn't bite at the trade deadline, but they have another chance during the during free agency um, this year. But I definitely would love that. <laughs> I think yeah. I think the Leafs definitely need a veteran presence. They need players who can kind of guide their younger core. Um, and let's be real, the Leafs' kind of problems, is, especially with their inconsistency as well, kind of their problems in the playoffs is they especially their younger core, they do need a little bit of guidance into how to get over those humps, how to stay focused, things like that. And I just think increasing the veteran presence, especially with storied, legendary careers, uh, players like Jason Spezza and players and, and Joe Thornton, um, they I think they'd both be great additions uh, for next year's team. I totally agree with that, man. I think it'd be so cool because a lot of Lee fans have been clamoring for at least to get Joe Thornton in any way, shape, or form. I know there was uh, Patrick Marlowe for a little bit, and he's now in uh, Pittsburgh for the time being. 
it's entirely possible that he could come back, and that would be quite a fourth line of those four three together if that if that somehow came to be. But um, yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense because, like you said, veteran uh, pre- leaders are important, especially for a young, uh, impressionable group like the Toronto Maple Leafs. You need to have guys that uh, teach the younger uh, players uh, what it takes to win and uh, why it's so important to uh, give it all you got every chance you're in the playoffs because nothing is guaranteed. And Joe Thurman would know that extremely well because he's only had one shot at the Stanley Cup in his entire career, and that was uh, now four years ago. I feel like he'd be extra motivated, and I think the least players would feed off of that. And I think that that's something to uh, really strive for. 100%. And um, hopefully the Leafs could give him, I mean, first, hopefully they sign him, but hopefully they're able to give him a solid chance of winning the Cup. How old is he right now? He's 40. 40, turning 41, I believe, actually, this 41, year. 41, yep. Which is pushing pushing the envelope, but of course he's still um, a legendary player. And he, actually, he's not playing that that badly. I mean, last season he put up 51 points, and this season he put up 31 points. So, I mean, he is slowing down, but that's still, you know, a good pace for a third or fourth liner. Exactly, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and his assists are still going to be uh, his most valuable asset, so why not? 100%. Why not? And, uh, again, it goes back to the veteran presence that isn't really uh, – it can't really be, I guess, taught. You just need that veteran presence in that room. And uh, I definitely think a, a player of his caliber can teach a lot and kind of guide this young core to hopefully pretty deep in the playoffs. Exactly. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Like, it, sign him the second he's available in free agency. As long as it's under a million and a half dollars for one year, I feel like that's something that could realistically happen. I would do that for one year. Again, like he's pushing 41 right now, so anything longer than that is definitely a no, no matter even if he says, you know, I want to play a few more years, I'd sign him to one year and that's it. But exactly. I think that would be a great um that would be a great gamble for the Leafs to take. Especially for him, and if, uh, imagine how great of a story that would be. He uh, finally achieves his childhood dream and does the thing that he's wanted to do his entire career. Hundred <laughs> um, <laughs> percent. But yeah, and then I mean, there is one more thing we I want to talk about in regards to the Leafs. A lot of Leafs news this year. I mean, this week, but uh, <laughs> this week There's it feels a lot like of a year. News every year, it feels like a year. It feels like we've been in quarantine for a year. Yeah, it does. But uh, Nick Robertson, um, there's been a lot of talk around him. Um, Noted Leafs defenseman's impressive prospect. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think he could be on the Leafs next year? Obviously, we talked about him last week. He uh, took the scoring title, basically, the goal scoring title for uh, the OHL now that the OHL season has concluded. Um, do you think he should make the Leafs next year? Do you want him to? Do you think he has a realistic chance? Well, I Kyle Dubas said the other day that they're going to give Nick Robertson every chance he can to succeed. And I totally think that that's what's going to happen. Do I think he's going to make the Leafs next year? Maybe, maybe not. It's hard to say, especially with the rumors that the Leafs might be interested in Alexander Barbanov. It's hard for me to say. If they don't sign Barbanov, then yes, he has a better shot at making the Leafs roster. But if they do sign Barbanov, I can't say for, for certain that he's going to make the Leafs roster next year. But I think it'd be great. Me too. Um, I don't think he'll make the roster next year. Only because it's interesting. You know, the Leafs need defensemen. And we, we kind of know that. But every rumor that kind of pops up is 
about a potential forward joining next year's core. Um, again, uh, we're talking about Barbanov, even bringing Spezza back. We just talked about Thornton and now Robertson. So it's kind of a logjam in a sense with the um, with the kind of offensive core the Leafs have going on. But I I definitely think he has a chance next year. And I think um, is he eligible for the AHL next year? Um, it depends on his age. I don't think he's that old though. I'm gonna look that up. Okay, is is it not? You have to be 20, I think. Is it 20 years? Yeah, old? I believe so. Something okay. like that. So I'm not sure how old he is. I don't know if he's 19 right now. Possibly he could be. Um, I think he's still 19. So no, 18, 18. Okay, he's still 18. So I don't think he could make uh the AHL next year, but I think one more year of development would be good for him. And uh, I definitely see him making the Leafs in the future. Or I do think that the way I see Robertson is, is interesting. Um, he It's crazy that obviously he was a lower drafted player um, and he's definitely shot up in terms of quality in, in his quality of, of what kind of prospect he is. Um, and I don't know if the Leafs... The Leafs are obviously contenders, so I'm not saying that the Leafs should trade him, but it's interesting that his... Trade value definitely shot up in this way. And the Leafs, if the Leafs do need to try and go for, you know, a top defenseman, they now have a another top prospect at the top of their farm system that I'm sure other teams could like. It's just, I just find it interesting how he, his, his value as a player really shot up, which can be used by the Leafs in a number of ways. Um, maybe they want to get rid of, you know, Kapanen has been on the trade block for a while. Um, maybe they make that move and then Robertson has an open spot on the roster or maybe someone else moves or there's definitely a log jam and the Leafs have to figure out where they would place him if he makes the team. I do agree with you that there's a, there's a distinct possibility that he could be tra- traded because like his trade value is going to go up and he'd be the, the exact kind of piece that you need to move to get a, a quality player back in return. Mm-hmm. But if there's one thing that actually makes him more valuable, it's the fact that he's a left winger. And if there's one area that the Leafs could use a little bit more of, it's natural left. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that that's something that they should keep in mind too. Yes, there's a distinct possibility that he could make the Leafs roster next year. But if he, even if he does, I can't see him sticking with the team the whole season. If anything, he could play maybe the first couple of games and then get sent down to the uh, to to back to the OHL. And then uh, finishes out his season there. The next season, he uh, starts in the AHL and then goes from there, blah, 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 blah. That's a possibility, too. But if you're just worried about making sure he develops, just let him finish his OHL career. Because right now, I think he and a lot of us would agree that it's uh, the way this season ended is unfortunate, and he would want a shot at... Uh, the Memorial Cup if it's entirely possible because they were on the cusp of potentially doing something like that. I think that there'd be that little bit of anger in him. So why not leave him in the OHL for another year? 100%. I agree with you there. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And the Leafs need left wingers. Um, but I am looking at the the roster. Um, who do you think he would, let's say, if he was competing for a spot next season, who do you think he would kind of replace um obviously mikhayev let's let's assume mikhayev signs for another season um he would take a a, a left winger position as well mm-hmm. i think that that's the that's the tricky part too the log jam yeah that's what i was thinking about too yeah 
how how do you insert Nicholas Robertson into the lineup without minimizing your chances of winning? I can't see a scenario. Mm-hmm. Plus, since there's rumors that Kyle Clifford is going to come back for another year, and of course we can't forget about Dennis Malkin, who may or may not be coming back next year. And Barbanov, who might yep, as well join. Mark. Exactly, yeah. There's just a logjam of forwards up there. And as much as I love to have Robertson on it, just because he's such a good player and he's a left winger, which is the what the Leafs could use another player of, I, as I like I said... I who it's not hard it's hard to say what could happen, but at the same time I think it makes the most sense, in in the end to just let him uh, finish out his OHL career. Mm-hmm. And even um, it is kind of piquing my interest about the possibility of a trade with Robertson, um, given the fact that the Leafs are contenders. It all goes back to that. Um, a year for the Leafs could very well be you know their Stanley Cup chance, um, and. Of course, they want to increase that Stanley Cup window, but again, they this year they're competing for a Stanley Cup. Next year, I'm sure they're going to be competing for a Stanley Cup. And if they need to flip some of these forwards or one of these forwards for a defenseman, which is what they really need, um, I think Robertson, like we said, right now, there's not really much space for him. And as I said, the next year could be a very important year to try and compete. The Leafs could... Um, I don't know, at least think about trading Robertson. Um, I would definitely would love to play him out, um, but it, it's just interesting. It's, it's something we could think about. Um, what would it be like if the Leafs packaged him with something else? Because he's definitely jumped up to, I would say, you know, a a ranked uh, prospect in a, in a farm system. Just, just like that, he's jumped up. He's definitely one of the least top prospects right now. And I think he uh, he's moved himself up into that category because Rasmus Sandin has played so well and he's uh, earned himself a spot with the Leafs. And, and he's a defenseman. You have to think about the positions. Yeah, I mean, the Leafs need those defensemen. They need uh, Lil- Liljegren and, and Sandin are both probably the future of the defensive core, which is what they need. Um, as far as future of the forward core, it's kind of kind of already set. Yeah, and we don't really know what the depth's going to be like going forward. And keep in mind, too, the Seattle expansion draft is going to put a wrench in the Leafs' plans somewhat. At the same time, though, they have a backup plan in Nick Robertson if they decide to hold on to him. So that's one thing they also have to keep in mind. That's very true. That's a great thing to think about. So there's Robertson, there's definitely a lot of different paths they can go. Um, keeping him has its benefits, of course. Um, I'm just thinking about, you know, a year is a long time, um, to let him develop when you think about the fact that the Leafs need to kind of pounce on any Stanley cup champion, uh, championship opportunities that they have. And that could, if, if, if an opportunity to acquire a good defenseman is out there, then, you know, they might have to pull the trigger. I'll leave it at this. Just the fact that we're even talking about Nick Robertson and having a hard time determining who where he could actually be next season is just a testament to just how great of a season he had this year and 100%. i commend him for that 100 percent. uh i saw a comment people saying like he's the least version of uh to after <laughs> after missing out <laughs> on him <laughs> hey you know what imagine the least has both <laughs> <laughs> if only right if only <laughs> if only if only but uh i mean that's that's, I think that's all the Leafs news we have for this week. Um, let's talk about a championship. <laughs> let's talk about some winning. Let's talk about a winning team. 
Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I do want to talk about first, shout out to Pascal Siakam. It's his birthday today, April 2nd. Happy um, birthday, uh, happy, Spicy P. Happy birthday, Spicy P. And um, I know we were talking about the top Raptors, Um, I guess your list or your ranking of the top Raptors of all time. Like mm-hmm. we said, Siakam is climbing up there. And if he stays with the Raptors, he can definitely become number one in um in the in the future he's definitely in my opinion he's playing better than DeRozan did and we're only realizing this after the fact after experiencing Kawhi Leonard and the breakout of uh Pascal Siakam and and the championship but I I really do think you can win more with Siakam and the way he plays than you could have with DeMar DeRozan and of course all loved DeMar DeRozan in the end um I was watching their Instagram live and and both Siakam and DeRozan on Instagram Live, and uh, they're just talking about how, you know, uh, all all current and former Raptors are all family, and that's why DeRozan cheered for the Raptors throughout the finals. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I will say this: if uh, Pascal Siakam helps lead the Raptors to another championship within the next three years, I think there's a very strong chance he becomes one of the top five. Uh, most impactful Raptors of all time. I mean, I think he's, he's, already, he's already on the cusp of it. Exactly. Yeah. And just the fact that he's had such a incredible story, just of how far he's come to try and get up to this point. And he was part of that championship team last year. And now he's, uh, he was, he was had a chance to potentially lead a team of his own. Like he's going to probably be the greatest Raptor of all time. By the time his career is done, as long as he stays in Toronto the whole, the whole way through. 100% and the Leafs de- uh why am I saying the Leafs the Raptors <laughs> the Raptors definitely need uh they they need a player um who they drafted to kind of play their whole career out with them they've never had that yet um obviously Vince Carter Tracy McGrady all left Chris Bosh um and uh they DeMar DeRozan could have been that but he wasn't and hopefully Pascal Siakam could because I do see Pascal Siakam as a better player than DeMar DeRozan and uh you can definitely build a team around him. Yeah, and the closest thing we've got to uh, a career Raptor at this point is Kyle Lowry, but even then, he was traded to Toronto. He didn't come here via the draft or was signed as an undrafted free agent. And he will be the greatest Raptor of all time when his career is done. But I th- you're right. The, the Raptors, you don't have a player that's a quality player that spent the majority of his career in Toronto and had his best seasons in Toronto, or like you said, had just stayed stay in Toronto the whole way through. Oh, hundred percent. And like, I know I'm very excited to see how Siakam's uh, career pans out here in Toronto. I know uh, he's a little older; he's 26, so he entered the draft pretty late. But um, I think we talked about this on an earlier episode. He started playing basketball very young. I think like at 16 or 17 or something only. And the fact that he got so good so fast to, you know, join an, a, a Division One school and then get drafted um, so quickly in the matter of years where people, you know, play basketball for all their life and don't um, achieve what he's achieved in a few years. Um, his ceiling is very high. Who knows if he can achieve that ceiling or if he could, um, you know, if he can live up to it anytime soon. But... The fact I don't even see him as having a ceiling. I feel like we don't even know what his ceiling could be because he's only been playing for such a little time, and he's going to continue to progress faster than anyone else really who's been playing all their life. Um, so 
the fact that he's I, I would say he's a top 15 player this season I know even there were MV, he, there was talks about him being an MVP caliber player this season you know top 10 player I think he kind of he had a uh, he had a kind of a slump for a little uh, a little bit of inconsistency but I would say 100% a top 15 player this season and that means next season maybe he can jump into mm-hmm. you know like uh the top 10 or something uh I, th- I definitely think he could be a top 10 player next next season and uh the future is bright for Siakam and I'm, I'm so excited just to see where he could be it's like you said earlier, the the ceiling is so high for Siakam, and even because of the fact that he has only started playing basketball very recently, who knows uh, where he could uh, go from here. I, I think an MVP uh, race is in his future. I don't know for sure at the moment if he is going to be uh, on an MVP, but an MVP of some form is definitely in the cards. Oh, for sure. And I mean... Again, we always talk about him, but imagine if Giannis comes here and that that duo just becomes something. Imagine if Kawhi comes back. Imagine a big three of Kawhi, Siakam, and Giannis. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! We're just we're just daydreaming at this point. <laughs> hey, speaking of daydreaming and Kawhi, uh, remember uh, what you think of the the re-airing of a uh, Game Seven from the other night? Oh man, I loved it. I watched it fully through course and it was easy even even though i knew what happened like especially in the dying minutes like it was it was high pressure it was stressful even though i knew what was what happens it was it was fun i enjoyed it too man and i think it was it i got a different perspective of it because uh it's actually a funny story i'm not sure any of you guys are listening remember this but i was actually in attendance for game seven at jurassic park and That's I remember that day vividly well. I was I had just finished work. Uh, it was raining that day. I was worried uh, that I was gonna have to sit in a bar to watch the game. But then we reckon that we realized that uh, Jurassic Park was uh, there's a lot of space to get into the, get into Jurassic Park. So we just gave it a shot. Me and me and some friends. Great game. We saw all the way through. Was on the just jumping up and down the whole time. And then Kawhi sinks that bucket. It was I, lo- I lost my voice. I don't remember what happened after that. That might have been the best. Even though the Raptors won the championship, that might be the best Toronto sports moment in a long time. In a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely up there. Maybe even best of all time. Um, you know, after you know the 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 series clinching home run for the Jays, even. Um, but I definitely think this, even though it's not winning the championship, but just the context behind it, you know, the 76ers, the, the, the Vince Carter couldn't get the same shot um, in 2001. Um, but Kawhi Leonard did it. First ever buzzer beater, game seven buzzer beater ever in the history of it, the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 insane. Exactly. And it's uh, I would say it's the most important bucket in Toronto Raptors history. Not even the bucket that uh, won the championship is more important than this. I mean, obviously those are important. And I mean, obviously the dunk that Kawhi did on Giannis was important because it it changed momentum in that series. But if Kawhi doesn't sink that shot, I can't say for certain that the Raptors would win that uh, game seven in overtime against the 76ers. You know what? Shot won the championship, I think. You know what? And it's interesting because I was watching it and you know what I thought? So rewatching the entire play, the entire fourth quarter, and especially the final five minutes, the Raptors had 
like a five point lead and then they let Philadelphia um come back and, and tie the game up at ninety. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is to get to ninety, it was actually I believe it was like eighty nine, um, eighty five or something. And then the Sixers started to come back. And the Raptors Kawhi Kawhi drew a foul and he had two free throws. He got one of them to make it ninety. To make the mm-hmm. score, you know, the Raptors have ninety points. And he missed the second free throw. Yep. And it's just crazy. I was just thinking, imagine if he didn't sink his game seven shot and the 76ers won the game. It would change the entire narrative of Kawhi's time in Toronto because Kawhi Leonard, let's say he missed that. He missed that free throw. He could have won. We would have won it. The Raptors would have won it either way if he had made that free throw because after he missed that free throw, Jimmy Butler came the other way, um, hit the layup. I think it was a layup or a dunk. Um, and tie the game at 90. And then Kawhi hit the game seven buzzer beater shot and they won 92-90. But if he hadn't hit that shot, they went to overtime and the Raptors end up losing in overtime. Kawhi would be remembered for, you know, failing to hit that one um, free throw. Now, he wouldn't be remembered just for that, but it would be a big thing that he had the the win in his hands on that free throw. Mm-hmm. And that was just something crazy that kind of blew my mind to think about that. He's, he's easily the most loved Raptor last season. He's, he's a legend. He's the King of Toronto. Um, you know, even after he left, he still is loved by fans. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, people wouldn't have, would have disliked him. I, it's not like that, but it's just, it's, it's the narrative around him would have changed in, in terms of how Raptors fans felt around him. I think there would be hate it, but it wouldn't be towards Kawhi. It'd be towards Masai. Because for, for making that trade that didn't we're we're obviously speaking if if all that happened and the Raptors got eliminated by the Sixers in that game. I'm um, saying the same scenarios mm-hmm. happened where like let's let's just say history changes, the Raptors don't win the championship, Kawhi and Danny Green leave in free agency. And, and the, the Raptors yeah, the Raptors lo- the Raptors lose off a missed free throw, basically. Exactly. All that anger would be directed towards Masai. It's like, why would you trade all these assets and DeMar DeRozan for one year of Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green? Like that didn't uh, work out, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think, think that that's what would happen. Yeah. And see, even just thinking about it at that deep of a level just really emphasizes how important that shot was. <laughs> because like I said, if he didn't make that shot, the potential of losing a game on his free throw was still there. Yeah. And I feel like that just basically cemented his legacy in Toronto. That shot, that moment, and just the immediate aftermath. Like Kawhi, you rarely see him uh, express his emotions, but that was one of the few times we've seen in his NBA career where he was uh, showed genuine excitement. And I think that was that just he, even he knew how special that moment was. And I feel like just the fact that he was able to create it himself was uh, monumental and. Toronto sports don't really get moments like that very often. So it's one that we will hold on to very tightly for as long as we live. A hundred percent. And those pictures that are, there are still legendary. Obviously our boy Keyshawn had one of those legendary photos. Um, <laughs> shout just, out Keyshawn seeing, mystery. Shout out Keyshawn mystery, but just seeing videos and the, and the, the photos from is it just, it's just legendary. And yeah, there's so much context behind that shot. Like we just discussed that it really, it's such a deep shot. Like, just when you think about it in that way, it just really cements a legacy. 
and just how much stuff was that followed in like the 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 series against Milwaukee uh the NBA finals themselves the celebration the everything at the parade like all those things would not have happened if it wasn't for that shot oh yeah you and can very well tie everything back to that shot i can't wait for someone to do a deep rewind of that shot and just the what was like in that moment and just everything that led up to it oh yeah for sure it was an intense game man that was crazy oh if i could take go back to where it was just standing there outside of this coach bank and just watching the game again i would kill to, to have that moment again and jurassic park is crazy like i can't wait to go back this summer um i was i i, I caught i got to catch the uh game six of the finals in jurassic park that was insane that was honestly insane. Yeah. I can imagine oh, that. Man. Yeah, the city was going crazy when we, as soon as they won the championship, I can imagine that probably the championship and that game that you were at, um, game seven, were definitely the two that you want to be there for. Exactly. I was actually at a bar with my uh, younger brother uh, near my house for game six against the the Warriors, mm-hmm. and we were just the whole place was rocking when. Uh, the Raptors, like we knew that the Raptors were about to win the championship. I obviously not to the extent that uh, it was downtown, but I can tell you right now, everywhere in Canada was going crazy after that shot went in. After it was just like the confettis went in and oh, just sure. seeing the celebration. I mean, I was yeah outside of uh, at Jurassic Park. I mean, as soon as they won, like everyone went crazy. Fireworks went off. I remember a guy had like a huge speaker and they were just like dancing in the middle. Like everyone just made a circle and people were dancing and going crazy. It was just, it was so crowded. It was insane, man. Just the entire run. There's very few teams in Toronto sports history that have captivated the city quite like that one. And I think that that's just, we're going to be remembering this seat that, that, that playoff run for a very long time. I, I'm just glad we're still talking about it. And just, <laughs> I just, I, I get giddy just thinking about it. And it'll right never now. get old, but I think what's more exciting is just how the Raptors have kind of followed that up with an amazing season this season too, and a, a completely wild card season, which is what where makes it that much more enjoyable. Really, this season has been more enjoyable than last season because the Raptors had expectations last season, but this season they don't, and they are living out, they're exceeding expectations, and I just can't wait for basketball to be back. And that's why it just sucks that all this is happening, that the the play has been paused because they were very close to potentially doing something special yet again. And that would have been even more impressive than what they did last year because everyone knew that they had, they had a chance to win the championship, but no one knew they would do it the way that they did. And this year, the fact that they, they, they still have that chance and there's a very distinct possibility that they could have been the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, we're robbed of a very exciting playoff run. And I just hope, hope that play comes back sooner rather than later, because I would love to see that story completed. hundred percent, man. I just can't wait for sports to be back. Um, I think now we should take a quick break and then we'll come back and wrap things up. We have a little bit of trivia and then, uh, yeah. Should be fun. So, uh, stay tuned for that guys. All right. We will, uh, we'll be right back. Okay, and uh, we're back. Um, that was a, that was a great discussion we had. 
I always enjoyed talking about the Raptors in general. Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, funny enough, I should have mentioned it. Uh, I am wearing championship T-shirt that the uh, the players were wearing uh, the after Game Six. Nice, right now. So nice. I was really looking forward to talking about uh, the Raptors. That's the championship, man. Good <laughs> memories. The Raptors are the team we don't have to stress about talking. That's why. Yeah, that is true. Unlike the Leafs, where uh, every moment we're just like, can you do this, do this, do that. Oh yeah, there's always something. In- leafs land um uh, hockey talk uh, let's have some fun yeah i mean i, I got some questions here a, a few questions i have some stories we could talk about just like we did last week i know you you're bringing that book back the book i hate because i'm probably gonna go zero for five zero for ten in that again <laughs> it's like for one let me defend myself it's like a retro hockey book mm-hmm. so it's way before our time and then on top of that i looked through the book and you looked through the book too and some of them are just very bogus answers or questions some very yeah. specific things in there mm-hmm. um that is true but it's it's a fun time it's fun it's all for fun uh, yeah for those of you wondering what the book's called it's called classic hockey tribute by don we carrie banks uh let us know if you had the book as well maybe you could uh give us a question for us to answer okay i mean we'll just do a few i'll do i'll do one and then you do one and we'll see i only okay. have a few questions so it's not really a whole lot um but we'll start. My Let's first go. question for you is, uh, I don't know if you probably know it, but who's the first Swedish player to ever score 50 goals in a season? Swedish? Swedish. Mm. These are questions I just found on the internet, by the way. I'm just looking for whatever you might not get or things we don't know. Okay. We might not know. I know Michael there knows a lot about hockey. There isn't many I can think of. It would have to be someone from the 80s, someone on the Quebec Nordiques, uh, I, the name is slipping my mind. This, uh, what's his name? Who is that player in the Quebec Nordiques? There's like three of them that were Swedish, and they're on the Nordiques in the eighties. Uh, okay, I'm gonna just do a nineties guess because I'm giving up. Peter Forsberg, that's my guess. Um, this one is actually pretty hard. I thought, I thought maybe you might got. You know, I thought it was hard. Um, no, it's Hakan Lube. Who? <laughs> exactly. He's the first Swedish player to ever uh, score 50 goals in an NHL season um, with Calgary in 1987-88. Uh, okay, he won I was a cup right with them. The he won a cup with them, and that year he was uh, a first-team all-star. And yet, I guess we don't remember his name. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's just what it is with 80s players. Like a lot of 50 goal scorers or something like that. He's one of the. Remember. Oh, I'm only reading about him now. He's one of the first three members of the Triple Goal Club. That's insane. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, that means uh, he won a Stanley Cup, won the gold medal, and won the uh, World Hockey Championship. Oh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, those are the three. That's crazy. It's crazy. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, even when I read, I was like, who? But I mean, he's done a lot. Maybe maybe we need to start recognizing him a bit more. But uh okay. yeah, there's a question there. <laughs> I'll give you an easy one. Okay, I'll give um, you an easy one. Okay. Which player did Buffalo Sabres enforcer Rob Ray say he wanted to hurt the most? A. Ty Domi, B. Tony Twist, C. Ulf Samuelson, or D. Brian Marchment. Oh man. Hmm. What were the options again? 
uh, Ty Domi, Ulf Samuelson, Brian Marchman, and Tony Twist. Hmm. See, because I know he did. I remember watching a fight between him and Tony Twist. Um, I actually thought that that was a made-up player. <laughs> to be Tony honest. Twist. <laughs> no, I remember yeah. they had a. I remember I used to watch his fights, but I don't remember specific, of course, what they said. But he's the only one that rings bell, so I'm gonna say Tony Twist. Oh man, I really is it Ty Domi? Is it Ty Domi? Yeah, it's Ty Domi. I was either Tony Twist or Ty Domi, but I see. I, I just remember, I remember he, and it was actually a pretty crazy fight. Um, yeah, maybe I'll pull it up later, but um, I, I think I remember his, either his or, or it was Tony Twist when their shirts came off, uh, like completely, and uh, I just remember that. But yeah, I didn't know that. Interesting. Okay, well, of course, I'll, our, I'll read our... you a quote that Rob Ray said once about Ty Domi. Okay, I hate his guts. There's nobody else in the league I feel that way about. I just love pounding on his big head. Oh, oh man. <laughs> wow. Not holding back, clearly. They go back, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's actually funny. When I was in Buffalo watching uh, the Leafs and Sabres uh, in November, they were showing a docu a little documentary of Rob Ray and Ty Domi. And like, obviously back then they hated each other, but... Uh, Nowadays, they're on friendlier terms, so they were just talking at length about their fights with one another. I thought it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. So my my next question is, uh, who is the first American team to win the Stanley Cup? This is all all teams considered, you know, uh, like current teams and former teams. Hmm. Hmm. There's only two I can think of. Um. Either Boston or the Rangers. Um, um trying to think, trying to think. I'm gonna say Boston. Good guess, but it's actually the Seattle Metropolitans. So there's a little oh. tidbit of information, a little a little trivia there. Um <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you'd count them as a maybe. Maybe you can even count them as a current team since we're getting a Seattle team in the future. <laughs> but it could be called the Seattle. They could, but uh, yeah, they're the first team to ever, the first American team to ever win the Stanley Cup. And actually, um, I think uh, I I read that the Rosebuds. I I don't know what city that is. Uh, but they were the first American team to compete in the Stanley Cup. That's Portland, actually. That's awesome. I, so that's I, that's that interesting. Is, that, that is a really interesting fact. Okay, I probably should have guessed Seattle, but I honestly was thinking, oh, they only I only count teams after the original six. Oh no, so, yeah, oh, of Boston. course, of course. Uh, that's what makes these facts so interesting. Okay, I have I have a question here. I just wanted to just quickly do some uh, fact checking before oh. I uh, I get I get you started just to make sure. And we are good to go. So. My my next question to you is a true or false. Okay. Mary Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux have never met in a Stanley Cup playoff game. True or false? Hmm. Never in a Stanley Cup playoff game? Yes. I don't think they have. Bango, bango, bongo. That's your first correct answer. There we go. I'm like thinking, uh, like, because I'm also thinking... 
Marley Me didn't play for a very long time. Um, and then on top of that, the like he's only uh Wayne Gretzky's only played in the East with New York, and that wasn't for a very long time. And I'm just the trying closest. to think. I don't. I don't. I didn't know if they met up or if they pl- uh, played each other in the playoffs those years. I just don't know the. I don't have the matchups for every year. You know. Well, see, the uh, Penguins. Mary Lemieux was always in the Eastern Conference the entire time. Yeah. And Wayne Gretzky only joined the West the Eastern Conference in 1997. So the closest yeah, the we could have come. Yeah, the closest we could have come to that was 1997. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pittsburgh went out in the first round, and the Rangers were eliminated in the third round by the Philadelphia Flyers. So there we go. So it was close. It could have happened. It could have, it but could have. Uh, unfortunately, never did. Okay, yeah, there we go. So I I didn't really think about his time with the Rangers there. Okay, I'll give you a uh, bit of an easier one here. You probably know this one. Um, who leads the NHL in all time? Who leads the NHL all time in shots on net? Hmm. That's uh, an interesting uh, question. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know Wayne Gretzky. Um, no. Oh, who? Uh, Ray Bork. Huh. Oh yeah. I would have never guessed. I actually want to double check the. I want to see how much more he has. Who is the NHL leader? shots on it i do want to check i i think it's a, a substantial difference yeah so yager's second but the difference between bork and yager is 6209 to 5637 interesting that's okay. a that i would have never thought <laughs> but now that, now that i think it's about interesting it, it kind of makes sense oh yeah because like defensemen do take a lot of shots Sometimes they just, they, don't, they just shoot it for the sake of it, and even if they're not going to uh, hit the net or just even score a goal. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um. Let's see. Okay, here's one that might you might get. Which defenseman reached 1,000 career points in the fewest games? A, Dennis Potvin. B, Paul Coffey. C. Ray Bork, or D. Bobby Orr. Hmm. In the, the fastest. The fastest defenseman to reach a thousand points. Fastest defenseman to reach a thousand points. See, I would think Bobby Orr, but I also don't even know his point total. I don't even know if he even reached a thousand points. That's what Let I'm thinking. Actually look. So the 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 options were Potvin, Bobby Dennis Orr, Potvin, Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, or Paul Coffey. Ray Bork or Paul Coffey. See, for me, I'm I'm thinking it's between Ray Bork or Paul Coffey. I think I'm I'm gonna have to take a guess here. Honestly, uh, I might just go with. Let's just go with Ray Bork, Paul Coffee. Let's just go with Paul Coffee. Yes, you got it. I did. There we go. Yeah. There we go. There you go. He, he got his 1,000 point in his 770th game. Wow. So that was in 1990. I'm not sure who he was playing. Bobby Orr w- was on track to reach 1,000 points, 
and he was going to be the fastest to do it, but he never actually hit a thousand points according to uh, this chart here. I'm looking at. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's points. what I was thinking. And, um, I mean, I believe did didn't Ray Bork finish with more points than Paul Coffey? I, I believe so, but um, mm-hmm. I guess Paul Coffey. That's that's why I just guessed. I knew it was between the two, but I guess Paul Coffey did it faster. Yes, uh, Ray Bork was second on the list. I'm looking at it here. It's uh, he reached a thousand points in uh, game nine hundred and thirty-three. Okay. Well, he was he was close. So let's see. Yeah, interesting. He did. Yeah, that's. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, both their careers ended around the same time. So that would have been a pretty close guess either way. So uh, my next question isn't really a question. Well, this is the final. I kind of asked you my last question. But this one's like kind of a mini game for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you one minute. And you have to name all the teams across all four of the major sports, which don't end with the letter S. Okay. Are we talking about city names or? No, uh... no, like like the Toronto Maple Leafs. So Maple Leafs is their name that ends with an S, right? Um, so I'll, I'll say there's nine of them. So there's nine teams that don't okay. end with the letter S. And you got a minute to list them, so I'm going to start the timer now. Okay. So right off the bat, my first thought is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. So that's yep. one. That's, that's one. for sure one. Yep. Uh, hmm. I don't think there's any more in the NHL. I'm just going to move I on. I can't give you any hints, but yeah, just keep thinking of all four sports. Okay. I'm just going to think of this one. I'm just going to look at team logos maybe it'll give me inspired 30 seconds <laughs> oh no oh no 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 uh uh just start uh, thinking think basketball think of basketball teams no there's i can't think of any <laughs> think of florida i'll give you a hint oh uh miami heat okay keep thinking that's for, that's for sure what's good um Five, mm-hmm, four, mm-hmm. Three, I don't know. I, two, I, my mind went blank. One. That's only two I got. That's okay. So Orlando Magic. Oh, I should have thought of that. Utah Damn Jazz. It. That's true. Uh, OKC Thunder. All right. There's more in the NHL <laughs> that you missed out on. <laughs> Who did I miss? Colorado, Avalanche. Oh. Uh, Minnesota Wild. And then two two MLB teams that have very similar names, the Red Sox and the White Sox. I am face palming myself so hard right now. You have no <laughs> idea. I can't believe I didn't get that. Okay, I will say this: it's easy once you know the answers, but like when you're, it's hard to like, think of it on the spot. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like that'd be uh, a great bonus answer on the bonus round for bar down. Oh, it definitely would be. That's. Oh man, that we'll was to, we'll that to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's funny. Oh man, it's funny because you don't, especially socks, like because it does make that S noise, but it's X, not S. Okay, but yeah. all right. Okay, here's one that you might know. Oh, you say that for um, all of them and then get them wrong. <laughs> okay, which team chased Patrick Waugh from the net, scoring nine goals on him in his last game? Montreal Canadiens. Was it the Pittsburgh Penguins, the New York Rangers, the Detroit Red Wings, or the Philadelphia Flyers? 
give me the options because obviously i know about the game but who is the other team <clears throat> i'll just repeat them again pittsburgh penguins new york rangers detroit red wings or philadelphia flyers okay i don't think it was uh the penguins or the flyers pretty sure it wasn't and uh i'm thinking back i do think let's see during that time who would have been good i'm gonna go with the red wings there you go there that's, we go uh, that's like two for three right that's better that's better than there I, you go that's better than my first time so he's he gave up nine goals on 26 shots and that was the game where he infamously walked by knocked on the bench walked and told the owner of the montreal canadians mm -hmm. He'll this never is my play last game in montreal that, i think he said something along the lines of i'll never play for this team again or something like that yeah exactly oh yeah and then he got traded to the Colorado avalanche where he ended up winning the stanley cup that year so <laughs> and Montreal has not come close to winning a Stanley Cup with the exception of uh, some third round appearances oh yeah I mean hey I just remember I remember I vividly remember the 2010 their 2010 run that was a good run um that was which of the Flyers ended up going to the finals remember when they went on that big run in 2014 that was a little oh, yeah. random that was random actually what's more random that or the Senators in 2017 I'd have to say Senders in 2017. Yeah, I agree. I don't Senders think came out of nowhere, and then they just declined. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Because, like, like, that year, everyone thought, oh, there's no way. Uh, they're they're like they're going to even make the playoffs. And even if they make the playoffs, there's no way they're going to do anything. But they just, they just kept surprising everybody. Okay, was, them... Was... Who, an, all, another surprising one is uh, the Carolina Hurricanes last season yep that was oh. surprising too i'm like blood boy just thinking about the carolina <laughs> hurricanes <laughs> <laughs> if we're thinking about uh you know what then it just makes your blood boil oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> um i'm just trying to... no uh let me, give me, let me give you one more okay because yeah i don't have any more questions but i do have some fun facts fun stories we can end with Okay. Um let's see. I'm gonna say this one. Who was the first NHLer to score sixty goals in a season? First NHL to score sixty goals in a season? I don't have any options here. It's just just the question. Oh man, I don't know that because it could probably like I would think it would go back quite a long way, like probably the original six. Uh era there's no there's no uh there's no options i will give you a hint it was after the original six era after the okay that helps that does help hmm um i might have to go i'm just gonna guess honestly um i have a feeling it's either either gretzky or esposito one of those two and Lock i feel like one. going with esposito because i feel like i read about this when i was doing some research earlier but i don't remember if it was for his being the first 60 goal scorer or just something else about his goal scoring holy go crap you're right is it really <laughs> <laughs> see because that was a big hint because i was thinking it would be like you know an original six team i don't know how much they produced i would assume they produced a lot that's goals a, in that's... that era i don't know if they, they didn't like 
you guys played with goalies that didn't have goalie pads like <laughs> that's that's amazing amazing guest not oh, only man. was he i'm reading it here not only was he the first 60 goals to score he was the league's first 70 goal man as well in 1970 71 oh man scored 76 times that year that's and crazy. That, that so that's was like the record right after until... they expanded too right after shortly after yeah yeah that record stood until the early 80s when rain gretzky scored like 90 something goals oh yeah crazy um so i just have some facts if you we can just talk about let's do um, it one is uh about steph curry um he's the only i'm sure a lot of people know this but it still blows my mind when i read it today that i need to put it in he's the only player ever to hit over 400 three-pointers in a season um and was that no, in 2015-16 yeah i believe he did, did it twice actually i have to double check wow. that but no one else has even landed 300 so that's crazy um that is uh... that just talks about he is really the greatest shooter of all time that's uh that's quite something and then uh, uh another one another fun fact that's kind of funny actually the 2000 NBA draft, it's considered to be one of the worst in history. Um, but it's the only draft ever that produced an average number of wins below replacement level. So basically, the 2000 draft actually made the NBA less talented. <laughs> I I mean, I knew that they, it wasn't a great draft, but I mean, when you put it into context like that, it just really I mean, tugs your collar. I want to bring up the draft here. I'm just looking through it. First overall was Kenyon Martin, who we know was that's, that's a great start. Short lived. Um, Jamal Crawford is one player that kind of jumps out there. Um, Who's the best player that came out of that draft? Honestly, in terms of hmm, I'm trying to see. In terms of longevity, I would say maybe Jamal Crawford. But some of the all-stars that came out of here, there's like only two. Jamal McGlure, who we all know, um, was a Raptor at one point, and Michael Red. And apparently he's he's the only one who uh, who made a uh, an all-star team and an all-star game. And I mean all all NBA team. That just goes to show you just how rough that draft is. That was a terrible is there- draft. What was the 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 next closest uh, draft to have a uh, wins above replacement to uh, comparable I, to that? Um, let's see. I don't know if I could find those stats right off the top of the Cause... internet. That's probably a stat that people kind of kept track of, I think. But yeah, I don't think I could find. I don't think I could find that right away. That that That's fine. statistic, but yeah, no, that was a terrible draft. Just I terrible. totally agree. I, I think it's pretty unanimous, and I don't think we're going to be that badly. Very. I think that's going to that's going to keep the record for years and years. Probably the worst draft ever. And there's there's drafts that are up there. Um, I know 2006 is known as one of the worst drafts as well. Even though the Raptors got a gem out of there, Kyle Lowry. That's through trade, of course. But they also had to suffer through a bust in Andrea Bargnani. Can't believe those two legends were drafted in the same year. <laughs> One's a Raptors legend, the other is a pasta legend. <laughs> his his commercials, <laughs> I remember those. Oh man, 
That's uh, funny. The, every the, time my friend would the show commercials me that first they first, used to the commercials that athletes used to be in used to be the best. I, I miss those. <laughs> you don't see that a lot in this in this period of time. I remember yeah. Matt Sundin had this funny um, McDonald's commercial about a Big oh Mac. Oh my god! Do you, do you remember this one? And he's like shooting around. Um, he's like doing trick shots. Was it with I Wayne who, when, yeah, I was like with who? It's with Wayne Gretzky. I remember that. That was pretty crazy. I always, I think it's just funny because like commercials like that where the acting you can tell is really bad, but they just gotta do the commercial only because for local TV, it it just makes it all the. Better. I mean, we kind of have that with uh, the GoDaddy commercials with the Raptors, or what is it the the uh, the peanut butter commercials with Siakam and Van Vliet. Yeah. <laughs> those are but those are good commercials. <laughs> They're funny though. They're funny. I feel like the the acting of the NBA players has gotten better over the years. So, we'll, like I said, those old commercials where you're not going to be seeing anything, anything like that for a while. Oh yeah, and I I remember I was I was actually just looking um, I was looking through some old Raptors things and someone posted, I reposted on my Twitter, but uh, they there used to be a Raptors insider and a Leafs insider magazine, and one of their covers I they had, I think if it was for the Raptors insider one. It was Matt Sundin and Vince Carter both on the cover, and Matt Sundin in a Raptors jersey, and uh, Vince Carter in a Leafs jersey. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. It's actually funny. I really enjoy those magazines. So uh, back in the day when I started going to Leaf games because my uncle had season tickets, uh, we would uh, oh I would always get to try and pick up a copy of uh, the program. And I look in my my uh, look by my closet like bookshelf nowadays and all those uh programs are still there so every now and again i just like pick one up and read it it's always cool oh yeah man i, I love uh seeing that kind of stuff uh i love seeing you know the teams kind of cross over and and support each other um it's awesome. i'm waiting for, Thanks for great content. pascal siakam to link up with austin matthews and for oh them man to film Wouldn't a commercial. that would be fun <laughs> that would be, be crazy or how about mitch marner and uh, Austin Matthews team up with uh, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> that would be funny. I wonder what for what oh, product though. I don't know. Maybe they just get Vladdy and Bobichet as well. That would be insane. That would be so interesting. It'd be the the biggest collab of the of the twenty twenties. <laughs> biggest crossover so far. So Avengers, far. Avengers isn't the biggest crossover that is. <laughs> oh man. Um, so and then my final story i guess is uh did you know that nathan horton was credited with a goal despite missing a game he w- he mm. didn't actually he wasn't actually playing in that game but he he was credited with the goal i think i remember this story but i would love to hear it again so um basically he scored in a game against the dallas stars on march 10th in uh 2014 um he scored about four minutes before the game was postponed when Dallas forward Rich Peverly collapsed on the bench. Um, so they had to reschedule the game. And because he was because uh, he already put um, Columbus up one nothing, the game had to start one nothing. And all stats except that goal were scrubbed. So Horton was credited with the goal, but he actually missed that makeup game with a lower body injury. So that's pretty oh, crazy. Oh, <laughs> that, that's 
That's hilarious. That's funny. That's uh, I I remember that story. That's uh, one of the, one of the cooler ones. I thought you were gonna say, "Oh, you got traded." It's like, huh? That would be cool too. I mean, but you'd still play in that game, right? This one he missed completely. Like he wasn't in the lineup, but he still scored. You know what that reminds me of? There was a a similar kind of event where a player uh, scored, like Dredd scored scored points for their team, but in a different game. Uh, But in the NBA, there's this one story. I can't remember the player's name, but he was on one team. And then the game had to be replayed because of uh, some the other team was arguing about uh, calls <clears throat> being right, like, like at the end of the game, so the game had to be replayed. And uh, in between the time before that first game and then the makeup to finish that one, one player on that team got traded to the other team, so he played in the same game for both teams. For both teams. He basically got traded in the middle of the game. I I guess you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you put it that way. Man, it's those crazy things that happen. That's that's insane. It's it like up. that. Is it those those like those deep rewinds? There's like those. Uh, I forgot. Is it Bleacher Report or is it um, SB Nation that does it? But those videos where they're like. Not the deep rewind one, but they're looking at like obscure things that happen in games. I will. Uh, okay, I got the player's name. The player. This was between 1978 between the uh, then New Jersey Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, Eric <clears throat> Money is that him? Eric Money. And what a name and too. I have to say, probably one of the best last names in uh, basketball <laughs> history. Eric Money is money. In the so, bank. He's one of three players in NBA history to have played for two teams in a single game and only player in NBA history to officially score for two teams in the same game. That's one of the coolest stories. Every time you watch, every time you hear it. <laughs> That's crazy. I love it. <laughs> um, Just before we... Uh, so is it up, like an I... official... Wait. I just want to know, is it like an official trade? Does it count as an official transaction? Yeah, because the, the it happened in between the makeup games. Oh, wow. That's crazy. There's a really cool video on SB Nation that talks about SB it. SB Nation, uh, that's the one. I'll be sure to that's check that out. Yes, it's a great video. If, if you haven't seen it yet, just look for NBA Player 1's play for both teams in the same game. It's a, it's a great watch. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's all I have for... Facts. We do have one question. Uh, oh, okay. In, on Twitter. In our, uh, on Twitter, yes. Every after before every episode, uh, we do post on uh, asking if you guys have any questions for us on the show. Uh, we'd love to have more interaction with you guys, but just for today, we only got one. The question is from PM Toronto. PM Toronto. How long see, before? I'll keep going. I see, I see him all the time, so I just want to give a shout out to him. Yeah, I think he's shout been a long PM time, Toronto. long time listener. So thank you for the support. Yeah, thank you very much. How long before the NHL and NBA seasons will be in jeopardy of being canceled? How long before the NHL and NBA seasons will be in jeopardy of being canceled outright? Um, I don't know. I th- I think my answer is I don't know, and we really don't have a an answer because, again, we wanted to come back. I think this proposed schedule that we've been talking about is July, 
And I know that the city of Toronto basically canceled public events until July and they're excluding, um, sporting events, but I still think it's just a, if anything, it just, it says a lot about how much safety you have to take, even though it's sporting events. I really do think that leagues will still want to take their time and not want to rush into anything and really, um, take the advice from, you know, the healthcare, um, I guess the health, the healthcare professionals and, uh, put that advice into account but yeah i don't know i definitely hope in the summer but it's looking like at least at least july what about you i will say this um the nba wants to finish the season no matter what and that's what i think gives me hope that they will wait this out as long as it takes but it's just hard for me to say when exactly there will be a point where it's like too much time has passed there's just no way we can make this this season work. We're just gonna have to just cancel out, right, and uh, wait, try again next season. Wait, yeah, I I, I kind of read the question wrong. I I thought it was just until it could resume, but yeah, it's before it's in jeopardy of being canceled out, right? I think my answer still stays the same. I think if we're going on to June, um, and I, again, I think they're still planning for July. If anything, if I don't think that t like the leagues want to rush into anything, so I don't think they'll rush into a June start, even if they were given the green light. But I think if we're getting into June and things still aren't looking up um, and there's the possibility of July, you know, still being under quarantine and things like that, I think then they're just going to have to think about, I'd say July is when you, if, if you can't start playing in July, I think you just start thinking about how much time has been lost and maybe you have to cancel it out. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think you just uh, you wait this one out because we have absolutely no idea what the future holds. As much as we like to say, hey, we know exactly how this is going to play out, exactly when play is going to resume, and, uh, oh, don't worry, there was a championship inside in 2019-20. We just don't know. We have zero clue. Oh, this yeah. is an unprecedented situation. Um, yeah, and I definitely do think, because as we, I mean, we see, like, it's an unprecedented situation, so, like, they're just kind of extending it as the time goes by. So, I mean... For one, we've seen first they thought it would only take a few a few weeks and then the sports would be back. And then they thought it would be a month. And then they, you know, now they think it'll be three months. And then you never know until you get there. So they're just extending deadlines, I guess. So I'd say July. Um, if anything, they just scrap the season and go into playoffs. But I think July is the time where you're starting to think you can't even jump straight into playoffs. Mm-hmm. you just have to yeah. cancel out right it would take too long just to you know just to continue it even with the playoffs maybe even just a week of training just to get the players back up to speed would probably be enough because if the players as long as the players are still getting exercise and doing some sort of training maybe just a week or so to just get them uh, back on the ice or back on the court uh, just to get themselves reaccustomed to their surroundings i think that might be helpful oh yeah because it's tough they can't even skate right now like I see. I saw that video of Patrick Marlowe like rollerblading in the house. That's as much skating as they can get in. And there's not even a, a local rink that would even allow them. Like it's it's gonna be a while before even that becomes a possibility again. Oh yeah. Who, know, who knows when that is? Hundred percent. But uh, so yeah. thank you for that question. Thank PM, you for that question, PM Toronto. Um, and send your send your questions in for uh for next week as well send them in whenever you want don't just wait for when we tweet them out but definitely we want all the support we can get and all the questions we can get and it's just more discussions for us to talk about
Exactly. And uh, if you want to hear your name being mentioned on the podcast, that's one way of. Oh, you kind of cut out there. Uh, we can just cut this part out. <laughs> no, we, we'll just we'll just wrap it up. Don't worry. <laughs> I know I know you meant uh, if you want to hear your name called out, get a little shout out, shout out. That's uh, that's a way to do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that's uh, basically it. Yeah. Um, don't be shy, guys. Don't be shy for sure. Um, I think that wraps up the episode. I think that was a, a great discussion uh, all around. Uh, that to uh, please sit, like not just questions, but send us your uh, feedback on the show. Things you'd like us to talk about. Things you we could do better. We're always looking for uh, suggestions on ways we can be better. So your uh, comments are very much appreciated, and uh, your support as well. A hundred percent. And of course, uh, if your comments are about the like the technical issues about this uh, podcast we're still figuring that out but i think we <laughs> i think we figure out a lot of, like given the time we've had and just getting accustomed to just doing this entirely online i think it's worked out pretty fine i don't want to get too ahead of myself but knock on wood we'll be fine knock on wood because last last week we had a lot of issues with internet connections and lag and things like that but this 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 episode has been pretty good yeah so uh, just before we wrap up, uh, as always, here's our social medias. You can follow at the Leafs IMO. Sorry, uh, you want to just say that again? You just cut out. <laughs> My social medias, uh, as per usual, Leafs IMO and um, I'm, you cut out again. I'll just say yours. Don't worry, I got you. Michael's is at the Leafs IMO, and then mine is. My Twitter is at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. My bad, man. I didn't mean to steal your thought. No, <laughs> no, it's okay. Just our luck that it, it cut out right when you, <laughs> both times when you had to speak. Well, this is why we're still getting those technical issues fixed out. Oh, 100%. But yeah, follow us up and then uh, catch us next week. We're hoping to get uh, some more new cool things uh, and could try to try to keep this stuff entertaining during quarantine. Some fun things planned for sure, as long as uh, they, they, they work out. 100%. So uh we'll we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much guys. Catch ya. Catch you later.